Hello, greetings, salutations, welcome to the podcast that looks back at albums, movies and video games to ask anyone for seconds. I'm your host, Dave. How are we all? Heat. It's a thing that's currently in the UK. How are we all coping with it? Personally, I tried stabbing it with a knife and it didn't really help at all. I mean, seriously? Anyway, I've decided today to try and get over my hang-ups. Today... I'm going to try and get over my residual Snyder issues. How I hear you cry? Well, in this episode, we're going to be taking a look at Legends of the Guardians, the Owls of Ghoul. Legend tells of a band of noble guardians sworn to vanquish evil and to save our kingdom. But they remain lost in the mists of Gahul hidden to all but those who believe stop you're gonna give her damis but this is my favorite part you have a soft head Soren, filled with stories and dreams there's nothing wrong with dreams my soldiers it is time to take the owl kingdoms are doing something terribly wrong. And you're going to need to fly a long way to get to the Guardians. You mean they're real? Oh, they're real all right. What are we going to do, Soren? We're going to find the Guardians of Garhul. You've all come this far, each protecting the other. When you have flown as far as you can, you're halfway there. What did he say? We're halfway there. <laughs> there were some really scary beasts out that way. You can breathe now. <laughs> what are they really doing here? They've built an army. Powerful enough to take over all the Owl Kingdoms. Go tell the Guardians! On his way to finding the legend. He will become one. You too can be a great Guardian. Bet you didn't count on this. Hold on! Come on, Soren. We're not finished yet, boy. To be a young owl with a taste for adventure, arriving at the tree for the first time. Legend of the Guardians, the Owls of Kahul. Knock, knock. Who's there? Owls. Owls who? Ha, that's right. Owls who? If I have to hear any more of his ridiculous owl jokes, hilarious. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't sound like a typical Snyder. Where's all the blood and violence? Why is there owls? What is this? Well, I think we should try and learn a bit more about this with the old-fashioned context dump. Legends of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul, is a 2010 film directed by one Mr. Zack Snyder. Our story begins in 2005, when Warner Brothers Pictures acquired the rights to produce a computer-generated animation film based off of Catherine Lasky's Guardians of Gahul book series. She was originally in line to write a screenplay, but she was replaced by John Orloff and Emil Stern in April 2008. In the same month, Snyder signed on to the project, and it was fast-tracked for a 2009 or 2010 release. Wow. 
that's not a lot of time for an animated feature at all. The film's animation was made by Animal Logic, with a team of over 500 staff at their Australian headquarters. Animal Logic had previously cut their teeth on Happy Teeth, the Dancing Penguin movie starring Elijah Wood, which, oh, you better believe, was plastered all over this film's marketing. What you doing here, flipper boy? Nothing. What are you doing? Nothing. They would then later go on to animate 2014's The Lego Movie, 2019's lesser well-received, The Lego Movie 2, the second part, and even lending their hand to 2018's Peter Rabbit film starring James Corden. <sighs> Snyder collaborated heavily with the team, bringing his knowledge of live-action filmmaking into this animated style. Lensing director David Scott was quoted as saying, because Zack had a live-action background, he brought that aesthetic to this project. The team tried consciously to preserve that quality and not force him into an animation workflow and shooting style. Discussions often started by asking how he might shoot a particular scene as live action, and then we worked out a digital equivalent for that. Bulk of the animation was completed within six to seven months. The all-star voice cast was announced sporadically during 2009. Voices announced would include Hugo Weaving, Jim Sturgis, Jeffrey Rush, Miriam Margali, Helen Mirren, and Sam Neill. The film would be released in the US on 24th September 2010 and in Australia on the 30th September 2010. It opened on 3,575 screens to make just over $16 million on its opening weekend alone. It would go on to make $140 million worldwide during its run. Compared to its $80 million budget, it would seem to have only just made its budget back. In actuality, it's likely that it didn't, as marketing costs are never part of the budget, but instead seen as an afterthought. I guarantee this would have lost money for Warner Brothers. Naturally, any sequel talk that would have occurred would have been halted. Not that it would have stopped Zack Snyder anyway, because he was later go on to create the garbled mess that is the current DCEU with Man of Steel in 2013. Enough giggling at the back, let's hit the reviews. Currently, the film has a rating of 52% on review website Rotten Tomatoes and a Metascore of 53 on review aggregator website Metacritic. Dan Jolin of Empire Magazine gave the film a score of 3 out of 5, stating this is unlikely to win Catherine Lansky's Antipodean Owl Fantasy new fans, but even the bemused and confused can luxuriate in some grand-scale visual storytelling. Tim Roby, of the Daily Telegraph in the UK, gave the film a score of 2 out of 5, stating, We're left with something gorgeous, turgid, and emotionally impenetrable. Less a movie, more an IMAX screensaver. R.L. Schaefer, from IGN DVD, I didn't know that was a thing, but there we are, gave the film a score of 8 out of 10, stating, Elements of the story drag on longer than expected, but the film is lifted up by its dynamic visuals, exciting set pieces, and terrific voice cast. However, I think it is now time for perhaps the best review that made me cackle out loud when I first read it. Keith Ulick of Time Out gave the film 2 out of 5, stating, Zack Snyder's films have some of the best opening credit sequences in cinema. The unfortunate thing is that there's always a movie after them. I guess all we need now is some form of synopsis, right? Hey look, over there, it's imdb.com. 
when a young owl is abducted by an evil owl army, he must escape with newfound friends and seek the legendary guardians to stop the menace. With our context dump out of the way, it is time to ask whether it is time for seconds. Let's prepare for some owl-based shenanigans as we join the watch-along now. Oh, okay. This is gonna be an odd one. I've got a lot of residual Snyder issues, as is well documented on this podcast, but I'm hoping, because it's so different from his live-action work... I might actually enjoy this. So I remember seeing a trailer for this at a cinema a good few years ago now. Probably when it originally came out, to be fair. Um, it seemed to have the really epic... I think it might have been 30 Seconds to Mars or something as the background music. I didn't realise it was Zack Snyder at the time as well. So um, I always kind of took it as to be a weird anomaly... I always thought of it as that that Snyder Owl film without really looking into it too much. I mean, this opening shot right here we've got of an owl flying around, it looks absolutely good. It looks gorgeous for a film that was made in like 2008, 2009. It is gorgeous. Um, bearing in mind we're watching this on a DVD as well, so it's still, and it looks pretty good, to be fair. So we'll we'll see what happens. I'm not familiar with the books either. I didn't even know it was based on a set of books either. Here's, here's a thing that I'm already noticing, right? I'm going to find it extremely difficult to tell these fucking owls apart. Because a lot of these owls look very, very samey. I mean, so far we've got a brown one, another brown one, but it looks like it's got a little mohawk, and then we've got a baby one. Um, yeah, there's not really a lot kind of really... There's obviously the face... Obviously they're anthropomorphic... No, they're not anthropomorphic owls. So they're owls that are speaking to each other, which have a owls have a certain look about them anyway. But already I'm looking at them, and I can't tell who the hell they they're supposed to be different. One's got a mohawk. One hasn't. One's a big one. And one's a small one. I'm very. I don't think visually it's looking at them is really really going to help me in the long run with this. So we ran about. 17 minutes in or so, this has definitely got a very distinct dark tone, which I think is typical Snyder, to be fair. I'm fine with the dark tone, but for a film that's purporting to be a family film, um, I could see why it, it may have struggled to make some of its money back at box office. Because it's quite dark. I think a lot of younger kids may have been put off by it. I mean, along with that, what I am enjoying is that the camera work, the quote-unquote camera, the camera work they're using 
is very cinematic and again like as explained in the context dump it's like they kind of explain kind of had to figure out how they wanted the camera to move as opposed to standard animated film so it's got this really cinematic feel and quality to it as if it was kind of live action it's very very difficult to explain without you seeing it in an audio form (laughs) but yeah it's a lot of shots that you would think you know would be quite you know difficult to replicate but with a with a quote digital cam you know with with a fake camera it's a lot easier but it it's very very interesting it's very very striking in that way because again i haven't seen an animated film that looks like this before because it's all very kind of either a mid shot or like a wide shot or what have you these have got like a lot of close-ups and really, really tight, making you feel like quite claustrophobic in places as well, and a lot of kind of POV shots as well. You don't really get that in animated films per se. It's all very much pulled away to a, um, I'm say pulled away so you can kind of marvel at the scenery and stuff. But it's yeah, it's very, very interesting. I'm kind of taken in by this at the moment. That's why I'm not really speaking a lot. I'm not gonna lie. Um, the premise itself is a bit—it's a bit hokey. I think what we've got so far, but that's not the fault of the film. That's kind of the source material and what it exactly is. But yeah, I mean, I'm—I'm I'm enjoy, I'm in, enjoying is not the right word. I'm kind of marvelled at, marvelling at the the technical know-how of this, to be honest. Fucking slow motion. Even in an animated film, Snyder just cannot get away from the bloody slow motion. For God's sake, man. So what I'm thinking right now is... If this was going to be redone now in 2022 how would it look I don't know whether they would take a more cartoony kind of look to it whether they would go for this hyper realistic fucking slow-mo kind of go for this hyper realistic realism kind of look again I I can't imagine them going for the realistic look again I I think they may go for a more I mean if I was going to make it as nice as the hyper realism does look don't get me wrong it's very very difficult to differentiate between characters I'd be tempted to go for a more cartoony look but at the same time try to keep it really kind of a cartoony realism which is kind of two juxtaposed ideas entirely but it is so difficult to make out who is who and who looks different and and such like, you know. There's not really a lot in it. Sure, they've got different markings and stuff, but they're so subtle and so small in this. It's hard to tell the difference. I mean, obviously I can tell the difference between the big owl and the little owl because of their size difference. But 
of everyone else, it's really, really hard to kind of tell. Again, the, the detailing is absolutely gorgeous, and they look like owls. I mean, again, this is on a DVD. I imagine in on in a on a high def kind of source, this would look absolutely visually stunning. Again, but on the DVD, it looks great as it is with all kind of the vistas and kind of the scenic views and stuff. Even like the individual feathers and stuff as well look really, really nice. I cannot like. I cannot kind of understate how good this film looks. I'm a bit kind of... I feel like it's taking itself too seriously, though. Which I think is kind of a Snyderism, to be honest. Because all these films tend to take themselves really, really seriously, even if they are really, you know, got a stupid premise or whatever. You know, take like um, Sucker Punch... That's a film that could have gone over the top, silly and bombastic, but instead it's kind of grounded in this surrealist weirdness that takes itself far too seriously when really it should be over the top and and things like that, you know. But to be honest, though, this doesn't really feel like a Snyder film, which is a fucking weird thing to say. I mean. You've got the slow-mo, you've got the dark tone and stuff, but, I mean, aside from that, it just looks like your standard animated fare. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Just very, very interesting film, this is, so far. Very interesting. Now, I'm assuming that's a thing from the book, because they keep referring to their gizzards. Gizzards are guts, right? They're owl guts. Yeah, am I right in thinking that? Like, they're going to trust their guts? They're going to trust their gizzards? The amount they keep talking about gizzards is just... Um... I would say worrying, but... I mean, they're owls. Aren't really... No, what's... Ugh, excuse me. I don't really know, kind of... Why? It must be a thing from the book. I'm assuming it is. It has to be. Oh, hello. We've got, we've got a big owl. Even bigger owl, I should say. And he's wearing a helmet. These must be the, the legend. The, the, they keep talking about guardians and stuff. I'm assuming these are the guardian type owl, owl hoot hoot things. I'm assuming. Is this Owl City I can hear? That is, that is Owl City. They legitimately, in this film, went, right, we've got a film about owls. You know who we should get to do a special feature track? The band called Owl City, for fuck's sake. Owl City. Fucking Owl City. It's a bit on the nose, but fucking Owl City. God's sake, I bet that was a fucking Snyder going, ho ho, yes, Owls, Owl City. For God's sake, man. Ugh. 
I reckon if you take any of the slowed down footage in any of these Snyder films and put it to normal speed, you, especially this one, it's only got like a 99 minute runtime or what have you. I reckon that this one would easily add another 5-10 minutes to the film. Take off 5-10 minutes to the film. Because we've now got a sequence where Sorin, the main owl, I think, is learning how to fly in like a monsoon. And it all slowed down. And it was lovely. And it was great. It was visually arresting. But... Yeah. Um, I, slow, mo slow motion in films doesn't really do it for me. I think it's an... For me personally, I think it's an overused trope. Some stuff can look really cool in slow motion. But if you use it too much, it just sucks the life away from from the film you know we've already had two or three slow-mo moments in this film if you'd just done that one slow-mo moment right there that would have been really quite cool and breathtaking because we've already had it like a couple of times before this it just it's just not as cool as you think it is you know it's it's a shame really That's the most metal thing I have ever seen, is a, is a bat, but the bat has got razors on its wings and it's fighting an owl. That's fucking metal. <laughs> for, a, for a kid's film, that's pretty metal. We've got a significant body count of owls already, that's absolutely mad. I can see why this struggled at the box office for sure. Because tonally, it is really, really dark. A lot of young kids would probably... They'd see the owls and go, oh, cute fluffy owls. It's going to be like a Disney sort of animated film. But yeah, no. They, this is far too violent uh, for, for young children. A hundred percent. I mean, if you're looking at like anything under at least 11 or 12, I would have thought as well. Again, I'm not familiar with the source material, so I don't know how accurate it is to the source material, but this is pretty, uh, pretty intense, to be fair. I suppose there's only so many ways you can try and make owls fighting each other look interesting and I guess the way they've decided to do that is chuck a load of knives on their claws I mean sure there's definitely one way of making it a bit more interesting rather than just having them crashing and bashing into each other or possibly pecking each other I mean fine whatever it's certainly a bit more cinematic in scope anyway it's not necessarily not necessarily how probably a lot of other people would have done it, but I mean, whatever. Uh, sure. Hmm. That's certainly a film that exists and happened and didn't make a lot of money. 
it's that fucking Al City track again. <laughs> so good, they paid so much money for it, they used it twice. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, I've got a lot of thoughts on that, to be honest. Uh, I think what we'll do... Unless there is some form of uh, magical uh, mid-credit scene. I, I doubt it highly. I'm just skipping through now. Uh, doesn't look like it. Anyway, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take 5-10 minutes because Jesus Christ, this room is fucking hot. Recording on the hottest day of the year is probably not the brightest idea in the world. So can take a quick break and we're going to come back and I'm going to give you my final thoughts and summations on this. Alright, see you in a few. Legends is a film that I surprisingly enjoyed, but it's still got its flaws. Is it enough to change my mind on Snyder? Sadly not, as I've always said, his modus operandi has always been style over substance, which sadly is the main problem we have here. Before I rag on this film too much, let's address the positives. The film is absolutely gorgeous. For a film that is made entirely of CGI that is over 12 years old at this point in time, it doesn't feel dated. This is a visual feast for the eyes. Seriously, I watched this on DVD and wished I had found a high definition copy because it really didn't do it justice. Our main hooters are absolutely stunning. You can see their individual feathers, distinct markings on their, each of their bodies and designs. The landscapes are lush and picturesque. If you pause the film at any point, it will be good enough to use as a picture to hang above your mantelpiece. Seriously, it is a treat for the eyes. Animal Logic have done a fantastic job of animating this film and bringing the hooters to life. They bob and bounce and... Oh, hang on. Wrong film. The owls feel alive, each with their own characteristics. You could almost be fooled into thinking they are the real thing. They are that impressive. The style itself, having used a live-action style of directing this 3D world, it gives the film a more cinematic quality. This is very noticeable, and it gives the film a definite different film to other animated films that might be similar, or even other films that are from around this time, such as Monsters vs. Aliens or Shrek Forever After. The voice acting as well is on point. Particular mention should go to Joel Edgerton for his performance of Metal Beak, who brings a malice and evil to the proceedings, tormenting our young feathered friends. Jim Sturgis as Soren brings a young innocence to the lead protagonist, and his enthusiasm is infectious. Everyone else is even on form, and there isn't a weak link in the chain. Good job, people. I'm suitably impressed. One thing I do have to say about this film is that the plot is extremely flimsy. Some would argue, blink and you miss it. It uses a lot of familiar fantasy tropes, which is no fault of its own, but perhaps the source material. Having never read the source material, I can't know this for sure, but a lot of it is very Lord of the Rings inspired. A group of friends journeying to find a group of mystical beings to help end an evil... Not a ring, but an evil group of people. Well, owls. God, it's so confusing. The super secret hideout, and this is so similar to Rivendell, it can't be helped but noticed. We can't ignore the influence that the Lord of the Rings franchise has had on fantasy cinema at this point, but it does sadly make it a harder job to try and stand out in an already crowded genre. 
Moving back to the plot now, I did feel it was a tad uneven. Granted, a lot of this film was to establish lore for a franchise that didn't ever happen. It just felt really uninspired. The talk of gizzards, while maybe suitable for our hoot hoot friends, just felt extremely out of place. And honestly, I don't want to think about it anymore. Again, some of it felt like a box ticking exercise in how to set up a franchise, which you didn't get. The Snyderism, a slow motion, it just plain annoys me. Seriously, in this, it's used a lot. I think at least 10 minutes of the film's runtime was just slow motion. Used sparingly, slow mo can be a very cool effect. It can heighten tension in dramatic moments, be used to highlight a character's realization about something, or even to illustrate how cool something looks. In Legends, though, it's 100% overused. There's far too much of it used to really give meaning to anything. For me, the only standout moment was where it's used when Sorin is flying in a storm, and we are treated to him flying while lightning cracks in the background with raindrops falling on his head. That is a cool shot. Using it constantly in a fight scene, though, it just slows the pace right down. Rather than having a sense of urgency or danger, it's taken at a leisurely stroll. While, yes, it does help to identify who is who, eh? Eh? That's probably not the intended use of it. Snyder, you need to stop it and you need to get some help. Overall, this film is pretty solid. It does have a pretty unique style to it given that it's been directed like a live action film as opposed to an animated film. The dark tone is fitting with the universe, but it may frighten younger viewers, which arguably the target audience for this film is. The humour often falls flat, while the overall plot isn't doing anything particularly clever or new. This is easily the most accessible of Snyder's work, and dare I say it, perhaps he's best because he's not necessarily in total control of everything. I mean, look at Sucker Punch. If anything, Animal Logic should take the credit here, as they are the true artists. From the sublime animation to the gorgeous visuals, this is a family fantasy film that is unlike any other. Now, if you excuse me, I'm off to go find my local Hooters. I meant our sanctuary, you depraved souls. Thanks so much for listening. Do you agree? Disagree? Is this Snyder's best work? Why don't you get in contact with us? We're over on Twitter as at anyone podcast. We're also on Facebook. Just search for us. You will find us. Longer rants, rambles, considerations can be sent via email to anyoneforseconds at gmail.com. We do the occasional Twitch stream as well. That's twitch.tv forward slash anyone podcast. Don't forget to leave us a like, rating, review on your podcast platform of choice as it helps us grow the podcast and we can reach and infect more ears. Given how this film likes to use Owl City a lot, I think it's only appropriate and fitting that we use that track in this, the ending of the podcast today. So I just want to say... Thanks again, stay safe, you got this. Shipwreck in a sea of faces, there's a dreamy world up there. Dear friends in higher places, carry me away from here. Travel light, let the sun eclipse you. Cause your flight is about to leave